Hello, and welcome to the Food Allergy in Your Kiddo podcast. I am Pam Lestage. Today, we are bringing you part two of Christy Grimm's episode, where she is sharing her top five tips to help our kiddos transition to college with a food allergy. If you have not done so already, please go back and listen to last week's episode, where she breaks down the first two tips, because today we're going to get her final three tips. So I hope that you guys enjoy this episode. Get ready for some amazing knowledge headed your way. Enjoy. Welcome to Food Allergy and Your Kiddo with Dr. Alice Hoyt, the podcast about demystifying food allergies, diminishing allergy anxiety, and taking back control. Let's navigate this challenge together with evidence-based information, scientific research, and tried and proven practices. And now, here's your host, board-certified allergist and immunologist specializing in food allergy, Dr. Alice Hoyt. Start those conversations with the school early. So obviously, you're going to start preparing your child when they're young to take on responsibility. But when you're getting to the point of choosing a school or you've chosen a school, you've got a school or a couple of schools that you have been accepted into and you're deciding between them, that is the point to reach out. You don't want to wait till you're on the college campus you want to reach out to, and I'll, we talked a little bit about this, obviously, with the disability services, but there are a few different departments you want to start outreach to, disability services being one of them. You want to talk to dining. They are going to be very key to your college experience, so you want to reach out to them early and have conversations directly with them, and then housing services as well. Um, even if you think that you don't need something in housing, so you're not going to ask for a special dorm, you're not going to ask for a roommate accommodation but you are going to live there. And so you want to sort of know what their process is. And one thing I would also say specifically with housing, so many housing events involve food, almost all of them. In fact, they have them constantly. So if you're going to live on college in campus, what happens when every Friday night they have a pizza party and you can't participate because you have a milk or a wheat or a soy or whatever allergy. Um, and that, I mean, that sucks. Don't, don't put yourself in that position. Talk to housing early, find out what they can do and how. So who do you talk to, to ask for food that you can actually eat at these events, um, or making it accommodating and safe for you? So do you recommend, and I guess it's different for everybody, but would you recommend having those conversations maybe before? Before you make like your top choice so that maybe that can help aid you, you know, if you have three really Mm -hmm. awesome schools that you can go to, but one school can accommodate you a little better, maybe that's the choice or would you maybe just wait till you pick that one school and then just kind of hope for the best. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I would do the former personally. Right. That's what I usually encourage. I, I'm not a big proponent of if you are a dead set, like this is your dream school, you know, you want to go there and their food allergy accommodations suck. But like you have been dreaming about going to this school your entire life. I don't think that the fact that their accommodations suck should necessarily mean that you can't go there because you can push for change. You can be that pioneer, that crusader that makes things better for people coming behind you. Someone might have been that already on some of these campuses. Right. But just know that that is going to have an impact on your experience. Um, And so you're going to have to probably (laughs) fight those battles going forward. So having those conversations early is really, really important. Um, I will caution, though, that there are some disability services departments are sort of criminally understaffed. 
And so they may say to you, we don't start this conversation with anybody until they are like committed to this school because we're not going to spend hours. Now, some schools will, some schools won't, but just be sort of prepared that if you get that pushback, it sucks. I don't like it. I wish that they would just have that conversation with you, but, but it does happen. And it doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to be accommodating and helpful. It just means they might have two people managing accommodations for a campus of 30,000 people, and they just have to prioritize the people that they know are going to be there. Do you find that the schools that have committed to, um, to this program, you know, to being able to accommodate, I I was going to say children, but I guess they're adults at this point, kids with food allergies. Do you find that a lot of the times you can maybe find the answers on their website, you know, like a Q and a type a page on their website that maybe takes away some of that stuff for having to call and ask. And maybe they don't have time to sit there and talk to you. So maybe it's on their website. So sometimes this is actually (laughs) one of our resources. And it's one that we spent a couple of years building as our college search tool. Okay. And the reason that we built that is because we, we had started our college program. We do training of colleges and universities. We do all these things to make sure that they're doing a better job. And we'd seen a lot of shift and a lot of improvement. But what was happening was I would get calls and I'm sort of the like point of contact. If someone, if anything, if the word college gets mentioned at fair, it comes to me usually. <laughs> so I'm getting calls uh, from parents or kids who are like, I really want to go to this school, but I looked on their website. They can't accommodate my peanut allergy. And I would either know from having, we maybe trained or worked with this school or I would reach out to them and just ask a question. And I would find out that actually they have a whole peanut free dining hall and their disability services office is super supportive and they have this great policy in place and they have a whole system for making sure that housing events are inclusive to people with different allergies, but none of that is online. Nobody can Mm -hmm. find it. And if you can't find it online, you just sort of assume it doesn't exist. That's the world we live in. (laughs) So that was the reason we created our college search tools. We were seeing so much of that. It has improved a little bit. So some schools are starting to put information on their website, but there are still a ton of times where I would go on a college website. There's nothing there, nothing at all that would tell me they care one bit about food allergies, but actually they have a whole program in place. Right. You said something about um, when y'all go in to train these colleges, how does one go about having you go in and train? So let's say I'm that pioneer that I go to XYZ school and I feel like I'm kind of going off course, but um, it's, this is so interesting. And I go to XYZ school and they don't have any kind of food allergy outreach but mm-hmm. I want to make that happen. So how does, how do I make that happen with you guys? <laughs> <laughs> so our, our training program is a program called fair check. So fair, like the name and then check like a check mark. And it's, it's sort of evolved over the years. Uh, when we were first creating our college program, we actually hired a training company to do a lot of training for schools that we were working with. And, and when we started, there was this long research phase. So we knew that this was a problem. We knew students were frustrated. We knew colleges were frustrated. And, you know, there had to be a way to meet in the middle. So we did this two-year phase where we piloted with schools. We did some training. I personally walked around dozens of college kitchens looking at things and trying to understand where the sort of challenges were from their perspective, from student perspectives. 
And so all of that sort of culminated eventually in the creation of our own training program, which is FairCheck. And we have two versions that are for colleges and universities. One, which is they just want to send someone, sit someone down on a computer and send them through an on-demand training. They can do that through our, we have a platform called Food Allergy Academy that we just launched about six months ago or so. So it's pretty new. Um, And then the thing, another version of that training that we actually created with colleges in mind initially was a instructor training. So we'll take a dietitian or a chef or someone on the campus who's very well trained in food service, and we will train them on food allergies and how to train their own staff about food allergies. So they can turn around then and train all of, you know, colleges have tons of staff and they have a lot of turnover. And so we would see this, this all the time where they'd be like, well, we only train these 10 managers or we train just the chefs, but we don't train all of the other people because it's expensive to train each individual person. And that's, that's not best practice. That's not what we want to see. We want to see every single person who's involved or touching these students or their food or involved with accommodations. We want to see them trained. So we sort of created this way for them to maintain training in an ongoing way, not pay to train every single person that they train on their staff. So those are the two programs. Um, And that one is called Fair Check Instructor Training. And it's also available through our Food Allergy Academy platform. That's very interesting. That's awesome. (laughs) Okay. Now let's get to number four. Yes. Okay. (laughs) So after I told you, make your list, uh, make sure that you know what you want. You have all of your perfect world scenarios and I'm sorry to say it, but number four on my list is be prepared to compromise because you may not be able to get everything that you want. And so for me, I look at what are the absolute priorities. And we talked about this a little bit when we talked about dream school. I've always wanted to go to this school and their food allergy accommodations suck. So like, you're going to have to make a decision about whether it's more important for you to go to this dream school or go to a school that has a system in place that you're really comfortable with. So you sort of have to prioritize. And maybe it's that you really want that top eight free dining hall. There are a few schools that have these beautiful, like newly constructed dining halls that are free from the top eight allergens and they have delicious, amazing food. And that sounds awesome to you but they don't have the engineering program that you want. Um, So maybe the school that has the engineering program that you want, they can connect you with a chef who can help make your meals. And that's not as appealing. You have to plan your life a little bit more. You're not really a planner, but like you just have to sort of make those decisions because the engineering school might not build you that top eight free dining hall. So just go in like knowing what's the end goal. The end goal is I can be safe. I can be included. I'm not going to lose 50 pounds my freshman year because I can't eat anything on this campus. And how do I get there in a way that the school can mm-hmm. actually provide for me? Absolutely. It's it's important to look to at what does the school require regarding a dining hall? <clears throat> or it's important to think about and look into what the school requires regarding the dining plan. Some schools require that the freshmen be on a dining plan. I'm sure some schools require that all four years. I think that there's probably tremendous heterogeneity in this area and knowing, you know, maybe if I can get the engineering program I want, but maybe that first year I'm going to have to do a little bit more to make sure I have safe food that I enjoy and can still socialize with my friends. Um, But then looking, okay, what do the the next few years look like and how is that going to affect my college experience? Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I would say too, is even for schools, this is actually a sticking point. So there have been a couple of legal cases in the United States 
um, settlements between the Department of Justice and universities that have been sued over their food allergy and celiac disease accommodations. And in both cases, one of the sticking points was actually required meal plans. So both of those schools, it's Leslie University and Ryder University, they both require freshmen to purchase meal plans. And the Department of Justice essentially said, you have to provide a way for students to request an out from that meal plan. That doesn't mean that they always have to grant the out from the meal plan, but just know that you absolutely, if you feel like this is a school I want, but I do not trust their food at all, they cannot safely feed me, you can ask to be let out of that meal plan. But then I would also keep in mind, then you have to find a way to feed yourself. So you want to make sure if you're doing that and there's a housing requirement, are they going to be able to give you housing with access to the kitchen so you can cook for yourself? Or are they going to let you out of the housing requirement as well so you can get off-campus apartment? Um, and then, you know, again, going back, is it ideal for you to live off-campus? I don't I don't know. It's sort of who, who are you as a person? So I think it can be sort of easy to to get into a situation where now you're off campus and you aren't making friends. But if, if you're comfortable with that, then that's sort of a, a pathway you could pursue. This is such a good conversation. Um, and I think you've recapped <laughs> the first four. So what is, what is the fifth thing on your roadmap, Christy? So fifth thing is don't drop off the map. You're at school. You've had a good experience, a bad experience, please reach out to the school and let them know that. And especially dining services. So your experience, whether good or bad, can help shape how they keep doing things or change things or what they offer to students in the future. And it's so good or bad, I would share that feedback. But even more critically important, if you have a bad experience, do not let a bad experience in the first week ruin your entire year there. If they don't know, they can't fix it. Um, and I will just share one story about a particular student who called me at the end of her school year. Actually, it was it was her mom who called me, but she had gone to school. They'd had all these conversations with the dining hall. They were confident that they could accommodate her. I think she had either a peanut or a tree nut allergy and they were comfortable. They were happy. Everything was great. And she goes to the student orientation event. And on the tables, they have, you know, round tables with seating of 10 people in the middle of the table bowls of peanuts and tree nuts just in the middle of the table at this freshman orientation. Um, and she understandably got very upset and very scared, didn't eat at the orientation. And I, I think that was probably the right call in that scenario, but the problem came in, she didn't say anything and she didn't eat the rest of the year in the dining hall. So mm. she sort of lived on what she could get in her dorm room with access just in her, her little microwave in her dorm room. And she lost a ton of weight. And so at the end of the year, when she went home, her mom was also understandably very upset about this situation. And that was the point where they reached out. But the school hadn't known that entire year that anything was wrong because nobody said anything to them. So they weren't really given the opportunity to fix it. And again, as it turns out, in this, when I get these calls, one of the first things I do is reach out to the school and I'm like, what is going on? Why would you do this? And in that situation, it had just been that the freshman orientation was catered by somebody other than the dining services department. Mm. So the people who planned that meal and prepared that meal weren't the same people who had been feeding her on a day-to-day basis. She didn't know that. It doesn't make it okay. I mean, what, what happened there was awful. But she might have been able to have a really good year if she'd reached out to dining to to share her concern and what had happened. And they might have been able to reassure her and fix it, also fix it so that that same thing did not happen the following year to other people. 
Yeah. It sounds like that situation really undermined her trust in the people who she thought were feeding her. Mm -hmm. Um, Because some people might be listening to this and think, well, you know, nothing happened and it was just there on the table. But if you go into a situation with certain expectations based on previous discussions and planning, and then that is sort of undermined without any sort of notice, I can completely see how, how any trust that had been built can suddenly be dissolved. And on top of that, I I mean, I think a lot of families with food allergies, especially kids transitioning from the pediatric care model to the adult care model, there's still many of them are still learning how to use their voice. And many of them also have had experiences where, you know, they've had to sit at an allergy table. And sometimes, you know, I hear these horror stories about kids having to sit by themselves at an allergy table in a cafeteria. And and just by the time they get to college, they, a lot of people just don't want to they just don't want that experience anymore. You know, they, yeah. they just want to <clears throat> focus on college, have fun, be safe. Um, and so I, oh, my heart just breaks for, for that and that it went on all year. And mm-hmm. then I can only imagine being that mom and seeing my daughter come home and be like, um, what, you know, what, what happened here? What happened? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, broken trust is a huge deal. And so at the school, made a horrible mistake. I would never, I mean, if any school asked me the putting an allergen on the middle of a table at any event is just, just, don't, just don't do it. That's, yeah. There's no reason. There's absolutely <laughs> no reason that bowls of nuts need to be on the table at this event at all period. Yeah. So I would just say that was like the school made that mistake. It was a bad mistake. It made the event completely not inclusive to anybody with any sort of peanut or tree nut allergy that, and I'm sure she wasn't the only one. There's no way she was the only freshman right. on this campus. Right. Um, the others maybe just didn't say anything or it didn't have quite the impact it did on her. So, so that was mistake number one, but then what, what could have been resolved hopefully and they could have started to rebuild that trust just never happened just because of the fact that she walked away and and sort of decided to navigate on her own without participating that communication definitely there would have been key Mm -hmm. Pam I'm wondering what you're thinking right now well I was I was going to say that as a person who has a child in middle school I'm not necessarily you know thinking about college yet for many reasons, one of which that I don't want to (laughs) think of my (laughs) child going off to college um, in really like six years. Oh my gosh, that just, wow. But what I have come away from, these tips are just amazing. I feel like we're already kind of doing number one, which was to prepare early to make sure that she's, you know, not forgetting her epinephrine to make sure that she's using her voice, which we're working on. Um, and, and really that's just a great tip in life in general for, especially for kids with food allergy, just to use your voice. Don't forget the things that are important that will, you know, save your life in case of an emergency making a list of things that make you feel safe. I, you know, I often think about things that make us feel safe as a family, but I don't know that I've ever asked my child to sit down and say, Hey, let me know what it is that we do in your everyday life. That makes you feel safe. I mean, what a great tip. Then you talked about reaching out to the school early, which I think is so great because oftentimes, you know, you, you do either have that dream school or you're just kind of applying all over the place, but 
with a food allergy, it's just not that simple. You know, you, you do have to think ahead and kind of prepare. Yeah. And actually to that point too, is these schools, the first couple of weeks of campus, they are busy. Try get, try getting a meeting on the calendar with somebody in disability services, the first month of school, it's impossible. So part of it is also making sure that you're not waiting. You don't get to campus, request your meeting it's the end of August and you can't get in to see anyone until October. So now for two months, you're sort of just figuring things out on your own. So yeah. just, just like keeping that in mind, it's part, partly about making sure that you know what you're arriving to in advance, but also making sure that you have time to set up whatever accommodations you need before you're actually stuck living and eating there. Exactly. And then that goes too with, you know, the compromise, you need to know early what it is that you do have to compromise if you have to compromise. And then just, especially with your last story um, about that poor girl that breaks my heart, just can continue to communicate. I mean, that, that to me, the first, they're all great tips, but the first tip and the last tip to me are so important because if you don't prepare, you can't succeed. And if you don't communicate, you can't succeed. So just so many great things for me to think about, especially as I'm kind of navigating through that tween and then teen and in a short period of time, you know, <laughs> letting her go off to college and, and do her thing. So I appreciate these tips so, so very much. Christy, you're amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Of course. Happy to join. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. And that's the podcast. We hope that you enjoyed our conversation with Christy as much as we enjoyed having it. Tell us what you think at foodallergyandyourkiddo.com. And while you're there, sign up for our newsletter so that you never miss a podcast. Remember, Dr. Hoyt is an allergist, but she is not your allergist. So talk to your allergist about everything that you have learned on today's show. God bless you and God bless your family.